0: This is People of the Book, Stephen Kravitz, on June the 16th, and we've got a very full show of books today to discuss. Uh, the first half, I'm going to be looking at books for Dad, because Sunday is Father's Day, and I've got a long list, and uh, there's going to be something for every type of father Even the non reading fathers, there's something that I've got um, them. There's a book for every one of you. So if you want to treat dad to a book over Father's Day, just listen to the show and you'll find something that is really going to be perfect for your father. And then in the second half of the show, We're going to have a guest coming and joining us. That's Lynn Fisher from Penguin Random House. And it's Lynn's last week or so in Joburg because she's relocating to Natal. So that will be our final opportunity to have Lynn Fisher in the studio before she goes to Durban. But... Uh, and th- that's that's to look forward to in half an hour's time. Lynn will be bringing a few giveaways as well, so keep listening, keep your finger on, uh, have your cell phone next to you, and you'll be able to SMS or WhatsApp us to win one of the wonderful giveaways that Lynn's bringing into the studio. And also, every book that I'm going to mention today, I've already posted on the Facebook page. You go to Facebook, then you go to people of the book on 101.9 Chai FM and so if you are going to go buy your father a book or your husband or your the man in your life a book on Sunday just be armed with our Facebook page so that you can find the right book for your for your father I'm going to start off as I said these are all dad reads they're also good for mom to read as well But I try to put aside the last few months the books that I think will appeal more to men than to women for today's show. The first one is called The Spider Network. It's the wild story of a maths genius, a gang of backstabbing bankers, and one of the greatest scams in financial history. It's written by David Enrich, and he's the financial enterprise editor of The Wall Street Journal. It's published by W.H. Allen, And if you remember a few years ago, the word LIBOR, L-I-B-O-R, became a very important word in the financial press because of irregularities between banks in manipulating the interest rate called LIBOR. This is the book about the LIBOR scandal. London 2006, a wild group of traders and brokers makes a startling realization an obscure interest rate called LIBOR is set daily by a bunch of easily, easily manipulated administrators. By nudging the rate fractions of a percent up or down, these bankers realize they could re- reap huge profits. At the center of the web is Tom Hayes, a brilliant but troubled British mathematician. But as the web gets bigger and the stakes get higher, who is the spider and who is the fly. The book was written by David Enrich, and he had unprecedented and exclusive access to key characters and evidence. And that makes the Spider Network not only one of those really rollicking tales of massive financial scandals, but it's also a provocative and a revealing account of a financial system that was, and most probably still is, crooked throughout. The book... Not only does it read like a thriller, like a financial thriller, but David Inrich also gives us lots of uh, background to the different structures and players within the financial industry. This whole idea of labor, which is an interest rate that is set so that banks loaning money from each other... uh, can have a working interest rate, but then it's also being used to underpin so many other financial transactions all around the world. And there's many forms of LIBOR, LIBOR all around the world as well. Say so like in Southern Africa, there would be the same concept in order to get an interest rate that the banks here will use amongst themselves. We, we've taken into an historical aside as to how this financial idea Developed and then you go back to the Shah's Iran when the, the, the Shah of Iran needed to raise money, and the interest rate uh, that they put into the the, 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 the the loan agreement was for the first time based on getting rates of uh, interest rates from different banks and then aggregating them and putting that in the contract. And so, if the interest rates changed over time this debt that the Iranian government owed to the Western banks would reflect those changes. And from such small beginnings, LIBOR became one of the most fundamental aspects of international finance. And here we have a situation where this uh, interest rate was then manipulated by Players in the financial industry. So that's the Spider Network, the wild story of a maths genius, a gang of backstabbing bankers, and one of the greatest scams in financial history. It is a lot easier to read than, say, um, the the big short, the Michael Lewis book. It really does flow, um, and the personalities come to life, what goes on behind the scenes in the financial industry. All the different players, the traders, the brokers. What's the difference between them? The bankers, the top bankers. All of that is brought into onto the page. And what is actually very, very interesting is that um, David Enrich actually spent a lot of time talking to uh, Tom Hayes, the the main person in, in 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 this book, the person at the very center of the spider web. Um. But what's also interesting is that Tom Hayes and some of the people around him, Tom Hayes is the only person who's sitting in jail because of the manipulation of labor and people high up the chain who obviously knew what was happening have all escaped without even a rap on the knuckles for what really was a total, total scandal and a vast manipulation of an interest rate that really did affect the lives of millions of people, billions of people around the world. Now, the next book, we're going to keep with a financial uh, theme. This book is called Super Hubs, How the Financial Elite and Their Networks Rule Our World. And it's by Sandra Navidi. Sandra Navidi, uh, was born in Germany, uh, but she now lives and practices. Uh, she lives in New York, and she has been very, very close to the the super hubs. Those people who join the world together. In uh, the copy that I've got, um, it's, it was it's an advanced copy, so it's handed out within the industry. They they the book starts off with praise for the. For, for, for this book, for Superhubs, and who are the people praising it? So you've got Professor Jürgen Stark, the former chief economist and former executive board member of the European Central Bank and the former vice president of the Bundesbank, and then Professor Klaus Schwab, founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum uh, and an author now, the, the World Economic Forum. They famously have their big shindig every year in Davos in Switzerland in the beginning of the year. Um, Steven Schwartzman, the chairman and the CEO, and the co- one of the co-founders of Blackstone. So this is the this is the the caliber of people who Sandra Navidi has access to, who've read her book and who give her, who give her glowing uh, uh, recommendations. What is a super hub? A super hub is. Based on network theory. Network theory is the study, the scientific studies of networks. And networks are where you have points, which we call nodes, which connect to other points. Now, the more connections you have, the more important, the more powerful that node is. And eventually, you have a few nodes that are so well connected, they're not just nodes, they become super hubs. And she identifies within the financial world. People who are the super hubs, these are the people who are connected to the other super hubs, to politicians, to, 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 to um policymakers to academics these are the people who when they walk into a room everyone in the room gravitates towards them when they give a talk at Davos everybody else comes to speak to, to listen to them these are the people who can make or break countries banks poli- uh, politicians uh, their decisions move billions of dollars at the stroke of a of a of a key on a keyboard and she studies them and she wants us to look behind the surface of the financial institutions in the world into what the the the, this elite these super hubs she goes through just some of the names of the chapters the financial universe she starts out going to davos and what it's like being at davos the circles that she moves in she has to be at davos she's not quite a super hub but she definitely is sandra is definitely a hub uh an important node within the financial workings of the international financial the global industry she describes what it's like being at Davos. She also describes um, how money, information, opportunities—those are the links that connect the superhubs. There's a whole chapter on that. Then she'll discuss the matrix profiling superhubs, and here she has the Alpha personality, Jamie Diamond. These are um, some of the biggest bankers in uh, in 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 in. in Internationally, Steve Schwartzman, who gave her a letter, of a, you know, a, a, a shout out, on the, on the, on the, in the the beginning of her book, um, Ray Dalio. These are the people that she profiles. Then she has a, a chapter called "Homo Philly: Similarity Breeds Connection," and here she starts off the charity, uh, the, the the chapter at the charitable superhub network, the Robin Hood Gala in New York, and how. Uh, a, a, a fundraising gala in York is an opportunity for the super hubs to strengthen their connections. Um, then she has the super hub of super hubs, Klaus Schwab. He's the man who started the the World Economic Forum, which has uh, which hosts Davos. And here's a great heading, Friends with Benefits, Capital Networks Equal Network Capital. So she writes about how these people work, how they operate, the people at the very, very, very upper end of the financial system. Okay, The eighth chapter is Opportunity Costs, The Downside of the Upside. So it's almost like the super wealthy complaining that they don't have privacy or whatever else. Another chapter, Womenomics and the Old Boys Network, the gender gap, women missing in action. The super hubs are mostly men. And then um, she has a chapter on the one super hub who burnt out and basically um, sort of semi-self-destructed. So there is also the fact that a person can be kicked out of the super hub if if, if they do something, um, something that's just not acceptable. Yeah, super crash, executive contagion, the crash of a titan, John Merriweather. He was the, the the head of long-term capital management. She also writes about um, Dominique uh, Strauss-Kahn, the French um, academic and banker who, with a scandal in Manhattan in New York with a, with a hotel cleaner, also was ejected from the level of super hubs. So two books, very financial, The Spider Network, and then by David Enrich, looking at the, it's, it's basically, it's a political it's a, it's a financial thriller, but it's true. Um, looking at the Labor scandal, and then a study of the the alpha males of the financial elite the international financial elite that's super hubs by sandra navidi we'll be back with more books straight after this ad break
1: radio that's better than the rest
0: this is 101.9 high this is people of the book it's Stephen kravitz it's friday the first half of the show we're almost halfway through that part of the show we're looking at books for dad because it's father's day on sunday All the books I'm talking about today, I've already posted on our Facebook page. Go to Facebook, then search for People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. You go shopping with Dad on Sunday. Just keep Facebook, keep that Facebook page on your phone so that you can find the right book to buy for your father or the man in your life. Uh, And there's definitely something for everyone. From finance, we had a financial thriller but true, and then a study of the financial the world's financial elites, the super hubs. We're now going to something totally, totally different. A few years ago I read a book called Shotgun Love Songs, set in the upper in Minnesota, the the upper Midwest in America, and it followed the lives of four friends who grew up in a, in a small town in Minnesota and attracted their lives over the decades and it was just one of those books that I don't know creates a hand that jumps out of the page and pulls you in it was one of the best books I had read that year and I put the author's name Nicholas Butler down as somebody to watch it was it was a great 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 read uh, I suppose you could call it like a soap opera for men. Uh, I see that the rights, the film rights to that book, Shotgun uh, Love Songs, have been sold to Fox Searchlight Pictures. So hopefully it will be out, coming out as a movie soon. But even if that doesn't happen, Nicholas Butler has a new book called The Hearts of Men. And once again, we're going into real masculine experiences, emotions. Uh, marriage relationships, but for men ah, women can read it as well, but it 's really a, ah, i think it 's a it 's really a man 's read and here, instead of focusing on a few friends over time we 're looking at two families and specific members of the families over over f- uh, about fifty sixty years. We start in 1962 at a Boy Scout camp, Camp Chippewa, where 13-year-old Nelson, who's a loner and also an overachiever, is all by himself, and no one wants to be his friend, In his nicknamed the Bugler because he plays the bugle every morning to wake up the campsite. He's 13 years old, and this is the summer where everything in his life changes. There is the most devastating... Episode on camp where well, there's two devastating episodes in that camp. One where he is almost broken through a form of bullying that is just so heart wrenching that any 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 man, even a muscle bound bodybuilder, will have a tear in their eye when they read what this poor boy had to go through and then at the end of the camp there's something else that happens that in a way um casts a shadow over now the rest of nelson's life it just pushes him in a certain direction and then shortly after that his parents get divorced and he grows up almost unmoored and looking for a purpose he becomes friendly but it's a tenuous, it's almost an ambiguous friendship with someone who lives close to him, also in the camp, uh, Jonathan Quick. And then Nelson and Jonathan's friendship and their relationship over time becomes the main theme of the book. But then we go to the next generation. Jonathan, um, Jonathan gets married and he has a son, Trevor. Nelson goes off to fight in the Vietnam War. He comes back. He's a bit of a drifter for a month, for, for, for for some time, but they're all living in the area of Eau Claire, which is in Wisconsin. It's the Upper Midwest uh, in America, and then we follow Trevor, that's Jonathan's son. He marries Rachel, and he becomes a. Uh, uh he, 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 he fights in in the American wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and Trevor and Rachel have a son Thomas so we follow this relationship between Nelson and Jonathan's family down for three generations um and how that action those two actions that happened at that summer camp when Nelson was just 13 in some ways pushes all their destinies in certain in certain directions. At the same time, it's so modern that it is so realistic. The writing, the events, the set pieces in the book—they are so realistic, and almost in every chapter, there's something to really pull at a man's heartstrings. So, if you want to be, if you want a great book as a man, but you also want that emotional pulling on your heartstrings you can't find a better author than nicholas butler there's nothing there's nothing soft soft or um, or mushy it's brilliant writing brilliant stories it's brilliant characterizations the plot and it's really real people grappling with real life uh issues marriage divorce upset uh Um, alienation from parents um, realizing that the parent you didn't like really loved you and made a lot of sacrifices for you and had you reconcile that after they did it's all here in the hearts of men and the title of the book really says it that's the hearts of men by Nicholas Butler published by um, Picador and if you haven't read Nicholas Butler, let's go out buy shotgun, love songs before they make it into movie and destroy half the impact of the book, and also the hearts of men. Unbelievably brilliant writing, um, American, but into, uh, but but um, absolutely universal. The next book we're now going to come to South Africa. Um, this is this is uh, a book called Confluence. That's by Piers Cruikshanks. And this book was made into a movie called Beyond the River, which was released in April. This is the true story behind the movie. And um, each river is unique, winding a course through a valley of its own making. But at a confluence, rivers meet, each taking on the strength of the other as they join forces and head towards the sea. Confluence tells the story of Piers Cruikshanks and Siseko Ntondini, two men from very different backgrounds who formed an unlikely partnership and together embarked on an inspiring journey. Characterized by candor, humor, and thoughtful reflection, the book Confluence charts the growth of a surprising friendship in their pursuit of a shared goal against tough odds. Uh, Piers and Siseko um, they do the doozy uh, together. They train and then they do the they, they, they do the race. But here, as the title of the movie is Beyond the River, it's really not just about racing while they paddling canoes in in a race. It's really what ha, how. How the experience takes them beyond the river. Now, Piers Kruyschanks is, is he's a Joburg he's a Joberg resident. He's an English teacher and he's the director of academics at Kingsmead College in Johannesburg, We're just down the road by Rosebank. And his achievements in the sport of canoeing have taken him to s- some seldom seen corners of South Africa as well as to many competitions nationally and internationally. And confluence is the story of a dream that came true, but also the embodiment of another one, Pierre's first published book. So that's published by Macmillan. It's a South African book. It's available in the shops and the movie is already out. It's on screens and uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a great inspirational story of two South Africans doing the doozy. We'll be back with more Books for Dad after this ad break.
1: A frequency like no other.
0: 101.9 High FM. Then, this is Stephen Kravitz. It's People are the books. It's June the 16th, Father's Day is on Sunday. So we're looking at books for Dad. We've looked at The Spider Network, True Financial Thriller, Super Hubs, Study of the Most Connected Men in the World to Control the Financial Industry Globally, a really powerful emotional novel called The Hearts of Men by Nicholas Butler, and then a true story South African, Piers Krugschang's Confluence, And uh, that's the true story behind the movie Beyond the River. Now, the next book, I just don't know how to review it because it is just so powerful that to give too much of the story away would be sacrilegious. Not to say enough would also be negligent. It's called Three Minutes to Doomsday by Joe Navarro, a former special agent at the FBI. It's a never-before-told never story of betrayal and espionage of a brilliant traitor, a resolute FBI agent, and the worst espionage breach in U.S. history. Okay, dads, if this doesn't make you want to run out of the bookshop, I don't know what will. It's 1988, and FBI agent Joe Navarro's time is divided between SWAT missions, flying air wreck, re, uh, and working counterintelligence. But he's a body language expert with an uncanny ability to read those people that he's interrogating. But what he craves is an assignment that will get him noticed by the FBI's top top brass. But as he would come to learn, be careful what you wish for. It began as a routine job, interviewing a person of interest, Rod Ramsey, a former American soldier with links to another Claude Conrad, who was recently arrested in Germany on espionage charges. But as the questioning continued, Navarra noticed something about Ramsey, a minute tick in his hand whenever Conrad's name was mentioned. Not a lot to go on, but he smelt a rat. The investigation that followed is unique in the annals of espionage detection. Three Minutes to Doomsday is the true story of an extraordinary game of cat and mouse played at the highest levels. With an FBI agent who cannot reveal that he suspects his target on one side, and a traitor, a seller of his country's secrets, a genius whose weakness is the thrill he gets from sparing with his inquisitor on the other. This is a battle of wits that would be fought out against one of the most turbulent periods of the late 20th century. This is the late 1980s, as the Soviet bloc starts to crumble. This is non-fiction, but Navarro's memoir is basically edge-of-your-seat reading. He reveals the shocking inside details of the investigation he spearheaded and this book stands as one of the most extraordinary stories of espionage betrayal and investigation to have yet emerged from the cold war so i would say read the book before tom hanks his options options the book the movie writes and then stars in the in in in, in the movie so the best way to mention to to review the book is just to tell you who gives shout outs to joe navarro so here David Major, founder of the CR Center, a retired FBI special agent and a former director of intelligence and counterintelligence programs for the American National Security Council, said this book by an FBI agent has, who became one of the most creative and effective counterintelligence officers in the Bureau focuses on the pursuit of U.S. Army traitor Rod Ramsey, who, among many nefarious acts, helped spirit the defense plans of Western Europe to the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact. Three Minutes to Doomsday is a great espionage story told brilliantly. Indeed, a must-read for anyone who wants to know the secret history of espionage. Niels Johnson Shelton from the New York Times and also the best-selling author of No Angel says, as compelling and unputdownable as it is terrifying, for anyone even remotely intrigued by spies, tradecraft, Soviets, Cold War Europe, nuclear war action plans the daily life of FBI agents high end espionage prosecutions or simply how to tell if someone is lying to you three minutes to doomsday is a ride you have to take and one more shout out this is um Uh, from Brian Littell, the author of After Fidel and Castro's Secrets. This is one of the most unusual espionage stories of the modern era. The pace of Navarro's gripping first-person narrative never slackens. So that's Joe Navarro, a former special agent at the FBI. His book, Three Minutes to Doomsday. It's published by Bantam Press. Now, I don't know, if that doesn't just call you to the bookshops, I don't know if anything else will, but I've got time for one or two more the next one, if, if you like Games of Thrones, uh, then listen to this one. The book is called The Mighty Dawn. It's by Theodore Brun, and it's published by Corvus. And it's, in, it's, it's the first book in a mighty new epic historical fantasy adventure series. A Mighty Dawn intrigue, action, and bolder-than-life characters bring a thrilling 8th century Denmark to life. Theodore Brun, the author, is an archaeologist, He's uh, he 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 was born in Denmark, but he immigrated to England, and he's an extraordinarily talented writer. And this book is his debut novel, so it launches him into the book the world of historical adventure. And uh, it's for authors of it's for fans of such authors such authors as Trudy Caravan, Bernard Cornwell, and George R R. Martin. He's the author of. Um, uh, now I've gone blank um, Of Game of Thrones Hakan, son of Haldan Chosen son of the lord of the northern Jutes Swears loyalty to his father In fire, in iron and in blood But there are always shadows that roam When a terrible tragedy befalls Hakan's household He's forced to leave his world behind He must seek to pledge his sword to a new king Nameless and alone he embarks on a journey to escape the bonds of his past and fulfil his destiny as a great warrior. Whispers of sinister forces in the north pull Hakan onwards to a kingdom plagued by mysterious and gruesome deaths. But does he have the strength to do battle with such dark foes, or is death the only sane thing to seek in this world of blood and broken oaths so we're going back in time. 8th century Denmark, and I think it's the early colonization of England. That's mighty Dawn by the, by, the, by the Vikings, the early colonization of the British Isles by the Vikings. It's mighty Dawn by Theodore Brun. And the last book that I'm going to discuss today, um, it's been mentioned on the show before. It's called Utopia for Realists, an idea whose time has come. This is for the, the more cerebral and um, thinking fathers out there. But Rutger Bregman, it's published by Bloomsbury, and what it looks at, it's a short book, but it's looking at utopian ideas for the future. Um, now, on the show, I've discussed these ideas before we looked at the book, say, um, uh, Homo Deus by Yu- Yuval Noah Harari, looking at the, the future of man. Man has now become Homo, man, Deus, like a god. The technology that we have, the man, the way that we've conquered the problems of the past, we basically, are, mankind is in a position to create an almost a like godlike form of human. Who's going to need to work when we have robots that can do all that for us? Um, so he grappled with these ideas in his book Homo Deus. Then a few weeks ago, we looked at a book called The Wealth of Humans, looking at the future of. The concept labor in a world where, in the next few years, forty-seven percent of all jobs will become obsolete because of algorithms and robots. So, this book looks at solutions, utopia for realists. And Rutger Bregman, who's a young de- a Dutch writer and academic, looks at things such as universal basic income, a fifteen-hour working week, and What about open borders where people can immigrate from poor countries to rich countries so they can be more productive? So this stuff seems pie in the sky at this moment in time, but the future is already on our doorstep. And unless we start thinking of competing visions of utopias or ways to solve the problems that we currently know we're going to experience in the future, we'll be at a disadvantage. So Rutger Bregman puts these ideas in printed form so we can think about them so that we are more prepared for the future because it is coming and now those are books for dad we've got through um, that's seven books they all posted on our WhatsApp, on our Facebook page and then just for next week I'll be interviewing Stephen Boyke Sidley about his new book Free Association um, and then I also want to just mention one more book Um, Last week when Terry from Macmillan was on, she mentioned a book called Solve for Happy by Mo Gaudat. Now, Mo Gaudat is the chief business officer of Google X. If you know what Google X is, Google it because it is very, very interesting. It's like a semi-secret division of Google where they're working on the technologies of the future. And I've got a copy of the book. Um, It's… Solve for happiness. Engineer your path to joy. But there's a personal aspect to the book as well. It's not just telling us how to be happy from an engineering perspective. He lost his son while he was researching happiness, and he looked to see how he could use his research to Help him through the difficulties uh, I have put through a request to interview him. It would be a big thing because he is not just a normal mere mortal he 's one of those super hubs that Sandra Navidi writes about. He heads up Google X, so he knows everybody in the world of technology. But if we can pull that off, I will hopefully in the future have Gaudat on the radio from America to discuss his book Sol for Happy but if you see the books in the sh- if you see the book in the shop reach for it it's a very very powerful read and now very very happy to welcome lynn fisher to the studio from penguin random house we have had lynn in the studio many times before she's just as passionate about books as i am and uh, it's a bit sad because lynn's going down to durban so this will most probably be the last time that we have her in the studio but we're going to enjoy every single minute of the time that she's going to share her passion and love for books with us
1: thank you so much, it is my last time um, I'm relocating on the 1st of July but if I'm up in Joburg I'll pop in and say hello
0: thank you
1: Thank you, um, do you want me to yes, right. jump straight into uh, it right kind of following on from you in a way because my first book is a local book It's one i want to i'd like to chat about it's called a man of africa and it's the political thoughts of harry oppenheimer which it's just fascinating Um he was born on the 28th of october 1908 the head of a business empire he played an influential role in 20th century south africa a role that's celebrated by some and condemned by many others. This book investigates Oppenheimer's political thinking, drawing from his speeches over the years. It looks at his views on liberalism, apartheid, socialism, sanctions, trade unions, education, geopolitics, the press and the legacy of Cecil John Rhodes. A fascinating read. He died on the 19th of August 2000, but it is a really fascinating read. Um one that I think perhaps is more for men or for dads and lads than than ladies. But so it's so, also a
0: local Father's Day Connected. Yes,
1: book. it's edited by Kaleem Rajab. Um but it's a political a look at Harry Oppenheimer's political musings and thinkings and speeches. And then my next B and one of my favourites is called The Thirst by Joe Nesbo. Before I tell you a little bit about the book I just want to tell everybody that the movie of The Snowman starring the very beautiful Michael Fassbender is releasing on the 13th of October Um, it's the first time Joe Nesbo's ever allowed um, anybody to play Harry Um, I don't know if you've read Joe Nesbo, he's a he's an alcoholic, he's a Norwegian detective, he's damaged but he is so good at his job Um, and in fact in all this is the 11th, the 10th, the 11th Harry Hole, the police was the last one and in the last one his family were endangered and he decided to give up police work and he became a professor at a college but then a woman is found murdered. And um, after she'd been on an internet date, she's a Tinder addict. And I just Googled something. And they say that 30% of all people that use Tinder are supposedly happily married. It's shocking. Um, anyway, um, they they find woman's body and she's a tinder addict so she's obviously been on a date with somebody she's found on the internet but um the marks on her body are so horrendous that the police know they realize that they're dealing with a, politi- a particularly violent murderer and they also are aware that there's probably only one man that can solve this crime and that's harry Hole
0: if we haven't read any dry Espos before, can we just jump into the first? Absolutely.
1: But it'll be a better read if you start with um, the first one. The and first one, right yes. yes. However, if you do, I did that because I we didn't actually translate books one through five, I think it was. So I started on book six but you can actually see how his writing has improved and it's tightened up. He's a much, much better author now. But, yes, you can just jump in this. It it, it does go into a little bit of background. Um, so they try and get Harry back to solve this crime and he's not particularly interested, um, but there's such pressure from the media. And then Harry realises that this... Case might be the only case he has never been able to solve in his whole career as a policeman, and something draws him back to the police force to help. Two days later, another body, also an internet date, it, uh, turns up, horrendously hur- uh, murdered, and Harry's back in the thick of the action. It is a roller coaster. Read it's gripping it's it's a bit gory in parts but it wouldn't it's Joan Nesbo he is amazing a wonderful wonderful author and like I say watch out for the snowman because I think it's going to be really good then a local title Um it is a work of uh, fiction it is Fred Stradom's second book and it's called The Inside Out Man Um, It's about this brilliant, brilliant jazz pianist. His name's Bent Crowd, but Bent is short for Benton. But he's a wonderful pianist, but he's a bit down on his luck. He's playing rubbish gigs and living hand to mouth. And one day, this man called Len, Leonard, um, approaches him and offers him a proposition. Um, but it is really out there. Leonard, is, Leonard Fry has never wanted for anything his whole life. And he wants to know what it might be like to be broke or um, friendless or, or not to have anyone to talk to. And he, he makes bent this... this really crazy offer if bent will come and live with him for a year all he has to do is put a plate of food lock him in a room put a plate of food through a hole in a door three times a day he will pay him an exorbitant amount of money after a year but it's not that easy and it's not that clear cut after a couple of days Bent realises he doesn't actually know if he is running this experiment or if he's being watched and he's the one that's being experimented on. A really good local psychological thriller. Like I say, his first book was called The Raft. It was dystopian. This is completely different. A really good thriller by a, a local guy and it's set in Lower Observatory. Nice jacket as well. Then, this one is going to take me about 10 seconds to tell you about, because it is being released on the 3rd of October. Get your pens, everybody. I know it is a hardback. I know it's the fifth in the Robert Langdon series from Mr. Dan Brown. I know it's called Origin. I know it has a dust jacket, and I know it's 544 pages, and that's all we know. But it is going to be amazing. They all are. I, I have no doubt that you, I heard you talking about Mr. Tom Hanks just now. I have no doubt that this will be picked up by him very quickly, and he'll play Robert Langdon again, Um His books are phenomenal. They're they're a really good read. I don't know if you read Inferno. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I have no doubt that this one is going to be exactly the same caliber of writing. We don't know
0: where it's set. We don't know what the issue is. It's just Origins, Dan Brown, October.
1: Hardback, 320, 320, Rand, which is a really good price for a hardback of 544 pages. Yes. Now that you
0: mentioned Tom Hanks, I also see that Penguin Random House is publishing later this year Tom Hanks' collection of short stories.
1: We are indeed. I've, and actually, if you go on the Internet, there's a YouTube clip. It's hilarious. He's he's typing, sitting at the typewriter and typing. But he's screaming because he thinks the person he's talking to is about three rooms away. But it's typical Tom Hanks. It's hilarious. Sounds wonderful. And they're all fiction. Sounds sounds fabulous. I'm dying to read it. So that's,
0: that's the new Dan Brown and the new Tom Hanks. Yes. All from Penguin Random House.
1: Yes. And then one... That has a beautiful jacket And I've got a copy to give away If anybody would like it okay,
0: So we've got a, a giveaway All listeners hold your well, Let's hear about the book first But get your cell phones in hand
1: It's called Salt Houses And it's by Hala al Where do you go when you can't go home? Um, it's a story of a multi-generational Displaced family Um. It's the story of their lives over many decades. The story, it's the story of a Palestinian family, the Yakubs, and they live in Nablus, which is about 50 kilometers north of Jerusalem. The story starts on the eve of Salma, the main protagonist's daughter's, Aliyah's wedding. Salma is, um, she reads Aliyah's coffee grinds. The, coffee, the what's left in the bottom of a coffee cup and as she sees what's written there she knows she has to lie she cannot tell her the truth because what she sees is an unsettled life but also a life of travel and a life of luck um this happens in 1967 this wedding is about to take place in 1967 and by the way the book moves from Jaffa to Kuwait to Amman to Paris and then to Boston so it's really it's one of these beautiful sagas that takes place over three, four, five generations of one family Um, the families are uprooted in the wake of the six day war of 1967 they leave their home in Nablus um, and they're settling in Kuwait City, where they make the best of what they have. They really try to make a good life for themselves. They're not like the, the refugees of today that are fleeing anything quite as hectic as it is in the Middle East today. But then, of course, in 1980, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait City. So once again, they lost their house. It's Heartbreaking, it's lyrical, it's beautiful. And but as heartbreaking as it is, it mends your heart at the end. It is, it's beautiful. It's got a wonderful jacket. And if you like sagas um, that take place over multi generational, it's, it's completely up your alley.
0: So, all listeners, if you'd like to read a saga about a Palestinian family, it's called Salt Houses by Hala Al published by hutchinson you've got to either sms us on three four five one nine or whatsapp us on zero six two one four eight two three seven four and just tell us what your name and what you're reading at the moment that's sms us on three four five one nine or whatsapp us on zero six two one four eight two three seven four and now, okay, Lee
1: Child. Lee Child. <laughs> this is oh, father's day. <laughs> this is my favorite. Um, I, I must admit, I am very partial to Lee Child and Jack Reacher. And I know I make a joke at this, but if, I swear if you give him a stick of chewing gum and a toothpick, he will build you a shopping mall. He is so awesome. And um, this is slightly different for Lee Child. The, it, it's a... It's. Twelve stories. The first one is a novella and it's called Too Much Time, which leads into the Midnight Line, which is going to be released either very late this year or very early next year, which is going to be the 22nd Jack Reacher book. And the rest the other eleven stories have never ever been published except as ebooks before. Um but when you read these twelve stories together, they shed new light on Jack's Reacher's past, um illuminating how he grew up, how he developed into the wandering Avenger who has captured the imagination of millions and millions of people around the world. I heard or read somewhere that one Lee Child book is sold every four seconds in the world. I also heard that from your MD. Oh (laughs) did you? (laughs) That must be where I heard it from Mr. Connelly, yes. So that is the new Lee Child. It's called No Middle Name. It's in trade paperback. It'll be two three hundred Rand, two ninety five, three hundred Rand, and it's available at all good and even some not so good bookshops at the moment.
0: I see. You also got the, the new Paula Hawkins
1: The new Paula Hawkins, yes And and I must admit, the girl on the train was I mean, I, it's unheard of to do almost 30,000 of a debut um, In
0: the South
1: African market In in South Africa, 5,000 constitutes a bestseller So 30,000, we just couldn't keep up keep stock of it and um, if you like twisty windy psychological thrillers and if you enjoyed the girl on the train her new one's called into the water i'm not going to give too much away and um, basically it's an addictive psychological suspense thriller about the slipperiness of truth and a family drowning in secrets i will tell you there's a teenage girl in there that i actually wanted to slap She had such an attitude. And um, a young woman drowns. And everybody except her sister thinks she committed suicide. But her sister is adamant that she didn't. And that is the story of Into the Water. Do yourself a favor. Read it. It's unputdownable. If you enjoyed the girl on the train, it's, it's not... Not even a similar story to the girl on the train, but it is as twisty and psychologically mind-numbing as that one was. And um, Paula Hawkins was born in
0: Zimbabwe, so there's a local connection. Yes, she was. Yes, that's right. She was born in Zimbabwe. So we'll be back with more Penguin Random House titles straight after this ad break.
1: Stay relevant and up to date informed. This is 101.9 High FM.
0: And this is People of the Book, it's Stephen Kravitz. We are talking to Lynn Fisher from Penguin Random House. Uh, we do have a winner, Cynthia, for the House of Salt. Sorry, Salt Houses. And now we've also got a copy of The first by Joe Nesbo to give away. Joe Nesbo sold 33 million copies of his books worldwide. This is the new Harry Hole. Once again, your name and the title of the book that you're currently reading, SMS us on 34519 or WhatsApp us on zero six two one four eight two three seven four. And the book is The Thirst by Joe Nesbo. It's a big, thick book. It's a crime thriller, scandy crime. You Can't Go Wrong. Whoever wins this is also going to be up the whole weekend busy paging through the latest Harry Hole thriller and seeing who did it and why. And now we
1: have more books from Penguin Random House. The next one is called Option B. It's by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant. Sheryl Sandberg, um, she was the Chief Operating Officer of Facebook. Um, She is Wharton's top-rated professor. She's the best-selling author of a business book called Lean In. She is really, she has serious credentials, this lady. And last year, her and her husband and I think the two children went on holiday. One morning, her husband decided to go to the gym, mid-40s, very young. Her husband decided to go to the gym. She took the kiddies to the pool and he went on the treadmill and he had a massive heart attack, and he died. And her life and her world as she knew it was ended. Um, Adam Grant is her friend, and he's a psychologist at Wharton Business School. And Option B combines Cheryl's personal insights with Adam's eye-opening research on finding strength in the face of adversity. About... Four months after her husband's death, um, there was a father and son day at school and she was beside herself and so was her little boy. And she spoke to her best friend, Adam, and he said, look, option A is your husband didn't die and he can accompany the son to the son's and dad's day at school. You don't have that option anymore. You have to come up with an option B. And it, it's, um, that's exactly what it is. Facing adversity, building resilience, and finding joy. And I think anybody that's going through a hard time or suffering from grief or is just in a tough place, it's, it's such a wonderfully insightful book on, on finding a plan B. When, when you don't know which way to turn anymore. And like I say, she's got serious credentials. So
0: that's Cheryl Sandberg option B. Yes. So I'm going to try to review that together with Mo Gauda from Google X's Soul for Happy. We've got Google and we've got Facebook and we've got Dealing with Grief.
1: That, that would be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? Right. I so think Penn ultimately won, and um, this is only coming out on the 19th of October, but I won't be... In Joburg on the 19th of October, and this really, really spiked my, my inquisitiveness. It sounds fabulous. It's called Endurance, and it's by Scott Kelly. Scott Kelly is, was a NASA astronaut. He spent more days in space than any other person, 520. Him and a Russian cosmonaut Called, oh, I've forgotten his name. Sorry, Mikhail Kornienko spent 320 days on t- on the International Space Station. During that time, um, they lost bone mass, their muscles atrophied, their blood redistributed itself in their body, which put strain on their heart. Every day they were exposed to 10 times the radiation of a person on Earth, which increases their chance of getting cancer by more than 10 times. But it's all for space travel. It's all to try and get to Mars. Because what really what really opened or made my mouth drop open is Scott Kelly has a, um, an identical twin brother called Mark Kelly, who stayed on Earth. So when Scott came back, they used them as subject test people. But it just, I think it sounds fascinating. Sony Pictures have snapped up the rights for this. Um, um, It's going to go into pre-production the first week in October, I believe. Um, And he says... Um, Mar- uh, Scott says natural life doesn't exist in space, the smell of the seasons, the warmth of the sun the company of others things we take for granted but I will never ever take it for granted again, it just I think it sounds absolutely fascinating and I'm dying to read it. Another absolute for daddy book but it's only coming it's out, only out in, coming in October, October so you have to buy it for your dad for, cri- for Christmas <laughs> or, or Hanukkah, Hanukkah.
0: Yeah. yeah, now t- any other books that you just want to mention in the last minute that we are on air? Even if you can't talk about them, right. just mention them.
1: Mad. It's it's part of a trilogy. It's by Chloe Esposito. I do have a copy to give away if you... Can fit it in Stephen okay or maybe at the beginning of next week okay this is book one the series is this is called mad the series is going to be called mad bad and dangerous to know and basically it's a story of twin sisters Alvi and Beth Alvi is an absolute train wreck She can't hold down a job, she drinks too much, she's a a nightmare. Beth is successful. She's happily married, she lives in Sicily, she's rich, she's got a baby and a handsome Mm -hmm. husband. Um, Alvie gets fired from her job, she gets kicked out of her apartment by her roommates, and her sister sends her an air ticket to go to Italy. She decides to go. Beth asks her, just for a couple of hours, can she pretend to be her? And she thinks, I'd like my sisters, my twin sisters, because they're identical. I'd like her life for a couple of hours. That night, Beth is found dead. So Albie decides, I can do this. And that is where the fun starts. My, I, Honestly, it is brilliant. It is such a... I had to go back about three times because I thought no that couldn't have happened and sorry 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 i I'm, I'm, thank you so Thanks, that's Stephen. mad.
0: All the books that Lynn has mentioned i'll post on the Facebook page over the weekend so that you can also look all those up and also the ones coming out in October, the Dan Brown and the the space book as well and until next week, uh good Shabbos and keep reading thank and you. like to wish Lynn all the luck. Uh, for her move to Natal, she'll still be working for Penguin Random House, and we'll be keeping tabs on Lynn while she's there with sharing her passion for books with people of Kwazuda Natal.
1: Thank you for having me.